0: Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising.
1: In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis… And a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace, set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.
2: We lost our humanity. We lost our dignity. We got punished for something we did not
3: do. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells the story of the Black 14.
0: Our young lives were flipped upside down.
3: Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
1: My name is Michael Mering jok I come from the Kenya tribes.
3: Michael Jok is an Indigenous leader in Sarawak in Malaysian Borneo and his family have lived in the Rainforest Balaga River region for generations.
1: I know where my father's land is, but I know where on which stream, on which river, my parents farm. So in order to recognize that, basically what they do is, besides building a small hut on the land, they will plant trees. For example, fruit trees like durian, rambutan, and any other fruit trees that can last.
3: But in recent years, Indigenous people like Michael have struggled to defend themselves against timber and palm oil companies trying to turn them off their traditional land. Now, Michael is fighting back. Modern technology is allowing his community to map their Indigenous land for the first time.
1: The new technology with drones or even the satellites make life much easier for us. We locate where the logging and uh, all the oil palms, or wherever, mountains or very important uh, location, historical uh, place where we cannot reach.
3: And activists are finding new sources of support on social media. But the forces they're up against are fighting back, finding new ways of their own to try and gain control of the narrative.
2: Whether they're privately hired by the companies or whether they're state actors, the output is the same. Their role is basically to paint or to provide the narrative of the state.
3: I'm Jackie Wakefield and this is The Documentary. On BBC Trending, we're looking at how power is being used and misused online around the world. This is a sound of protest as community members in the Baram region rally against the bulldozing of their longhouse, the centre point of the community. Scenes like this have been taking place since the 1980s, when timber companies first came to villages like Michael's. Then, in the mid-2000s, the drive for cheap, more sustainable fuel created a huge demand for palm oil, accelerating deforestation in Malaysia and Indonesia. While palm oil has lifted some out of poverty, many locals have not seen payoffs and instead have witnessed only environmental destruction on their traditional land.
1: So usually they will come to the village and say that, oh, government have given us the licence, so therefore we have rights to cut the trees, we have right to develop the land.
3: For centuries, Indigenous communities have relied on oral history, passing down stories of their land to younger generations to demarcate their territory. However, when it comes to gaining wider recognition, the boundaries can be hard to prove. That's where mapping comes in. Michael helps to lead these efforts on the ground.
1: I know where the boundary of my longhouse, based in the river, the one downriver and uh, upstream. I know basically where it is without even going into the ground. So, what we call whatever we have in the mind is now put into practical by going into the ground.
3: Using new tech, Indigenous groups like Michael's, backed by international NGOs, are now mapping out their lands. Techniques like GPS, detailed satellite imagery, and in some cases drone photography are all employed to document the land as accurately as possible. The maps don't have legal force on their own, but activists like Anina Abeli from Swiss-based NGO Bruno Mansa Funds say they make it harder for companies to dispute community claims, particularly when confronted on the ground.
0: The land claims, they are no longer abstract and vague, but they are concrete because the communities can say, look, this here is our land. And so suddenly these kind of vague claims become real and communities have something (laughs) to support their claims.
3: Communities can also monitor logging activities using remote sensing, which includes cameras or alerts that help them detect when a company is in their claimed territory.
0: Often communities say that, Logging happens in a specific area. But if we have satellite images, it's just black and white where the logging happens. But community members told me, despite the maps,
3: it's difficult to get their concerns heard. I spoke to Professor James Chin, an expert in governance and media in Malaysia, to find out why.
2: In the last 20 years, the indigenous people in Surat were not able to get their message about their fight for their traditional lands. Because media traditionally in Sarawak and the whole of Malaysia has been controlled by the governments.
3: He tells me timber and palm oil companies have a close relationship with the media.
2: That very often the same timber straw plantation companies will buy advertising space in newspapers. In the case of Sarawak, sometimes it's even worse because the biggest newspaper group in Sarawak is also one of the major palm oil plantation players.
3: The Borneo Post, Sarawak's biggest newspaper, is owned by subsidiaries of a large timber company. We asked the newspaper for a response to James's claims. In a statement, they said shareholders and directors provided guidelines to editorial staff, which they said included direction on accurate and balanced reporting. They also said they strived for fairness in everyday reporting. But recently, land rights activists have found a way to get their message out.
2: Social media is becoming a major platform for marginalised Indigenous groups around the world to get together, to support each other as they'll fight for their rights and to reclaim their heritage and traditions.
3: Like other activists in a social media age, local campaign groups have discovered the power of the hashtag. In 2021, Celine Lim, director of Indigenous-led group Save Rivers, started a
0: campaign called
3: Hashtag Stop the Chop.
0: So the gist of stop the chop was really that to be able to actually bring the stories from the grassroots to the is these international consumers. Save Rivers alleged
3: Malaysian timber giant Sam Ling was undertaking logging activities in the Baram region of Sarawak without proper consent from the community. Due to the remote sensing and mapping, the local community noticed Sam Ling's activities quickly. Save Rivers then posted videos, articles and petitions online alleging Samling had failed to adequately consult the community, which would be in violation of Samling's sustainability certification. And the campaign appeared to get to Samling. In April 2021, a few months after it began, the company filed a defamation suit against Save Rivers. The Samling Group argued that Save Rivers put them under unwarranted scrutiny by the world at large.
0: So when we received the first letter, the letter it actually demanded for us to take down eight of those impugne articles and to also publicly apologize that our report and our documentations were defamatory in nature.
3: They were suing Save Rivers for five million ringgit. That's over one million US
0: dollars. For a small organization like ours, five million ringgit goes a long way. We were definitely haunted with the fact that we were
3: going to go bankrupt. While the case was ongoing, satellite pictures appeared to show Samling building roads for logging activities and entering culturally sensitive areas. It prompted a response from affected communities in the Boram region. In this video, local people are arguing with officials after setting up a blockade to stop further logging activity. After this, some members of the community say they were sent letters by Samling threatening legal action. I've been shown two of these letters. They're written on Samling letter-headed paper and say that Samling reserves the right to take legal action for defamation. Anina from the Bruno Manser Funds tells me the impact this had.
0: It really had an intimidating factor. (laughs) It is very scary if you receive a letter like this from a really powerful company that has the control over your territory.
3: In a statement, Samling denied sending letters to the community, saying the company's legal correspondence was directed to save rivers. <phone rings> Meanwhile, in response to Samling's litigation, a new hashtag was born.
0: The Stop the Job campaign was followed by a Stop the Slap
3: campaign. Strategic litigation against public prosecution, or SLAP suits, are lawsuits attempting to intimidate or silence those speaking out. These have been used by corporations globally as they attempt to defend their interests.
0: The UN Special Rapporteur on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and the one on human rights defenders, they said that the lawsuit against safe rivers may be classified as a SLAP and was designed to silence safe rivers from speaking out. Anina
3: told me the role social media played in getting international support.
0: Social media was a very important tool to spread the message that Safe Rivers has been sued because everybody internationally is becoming more and more aware that strategic lawsuits against public participation are a problem. But as activists have migrated online,
3: so too have those trying to counter their narratives. As the Samling case gained traction... Mysterious accounts began to crop up across social media. James Chin says he believes they're set up by those representing timber and palm oil interests.
2: So what this has forced those companies, it forced them to set up their own social media team. It forced them to fight on a terrain or platform where they don't have a distinct advantage anymore, where their wealth doesn't really matter that much. The only advantage they have is that they have the ability to hire cyber troopers,
3: Cybertroopers, James says, are people paid to disseminate certain narratives on social media.
2: Whether they're privately hired by the companies or whether they're state actors, the output is the same. Their role is basically to paint or to provide the narrative of the state, to provide a very, very positive picture of what is happening.
3: James pointed out some of these accounts to me. All of them had anonymous pictures and they were often just a few months old. They predominantly posted about land rights, often saying things like the Indigenous activists are anti-development.
2: So they tend to provide counterfactual stuff to negative postings. So for example, there might be a posting about, you know, a timber blockade and in the comment section, that individual will probably write something like these people are breaking the law. Law and order is very important.
3: But pressure on Sam Ling continued to mount. Then, in March, a new voice joined the online battle. But unlike cyber troopers, they weren't
0: anonymous. Suddenly there was this Indigenous advocacy NGO that started speaking in the media and nobody before had ever heard of them.
3: The group was quoted by a handful of local media outlets defending Sam Ling and a local
0: politician who'd voiced support for their activities. They were called Advocacy Pribumi, so this means Indigenous advocacy, and they criticised safe rivers.
3: In one article, there's a picture of a man in a polo shirt. He's staring directly into the camera. His name is cited as Nigel Raymond, and he's described as the director of this NGO. Here's one of the quotes he gave in an interview with a newspaper, voiced by an actor.
1: I have lived in this community all my life and I have personally witnessed the development and progress throughout the years because the logging industry has provided our people with jobs. Does Save Rivers want indigenous communities like ours to return to nomadic lifestyles or live hand-to-mouth by banning logging completely?
3: Despite his claims that he was from the Baram community, no one we spoke to had heard of the NGO or Nigel Raymond before the Samling case. In fact, Nigel seems not to have any online presence outside of the NGO's social media accounts at all. There was also no trace online of this NGO before they spoke about Samling, so I looked into their registrations. On the 13th of March last year, a few days before their first media appearance, The domain for their website was registered and an account was created on Facebook. The registered website creator has an email address belonging to MalaQuest, a public relations firm based in the Malaysian capital Kuala Lumpur. MalaQuest has a slick website boasting a number of high-profile clients and campaigns. One of their clients was the Malaysian vape industry. In MalaQuest's marketing materials, they said they'd set up an advocacy website called Advocacy of Vape. While they don't mention Advocacy Privumi, it seems to be a similar strategy. James Chen says creating an organisation that has the appearance of a grassroots campaign can be helpful in countering certain narratives.
2: If you can get an actual person to speak on your behalf and that person is not anonymous, it's somebody who comes out openly and speaks on behalf of the company or the state. Obviously that brings a lot of credibility into the sort of narratives they're trying to promote.
3: We wrote to Maliquest asking them about the allegations that they set up the NGO called Advocacy Prabumi. They did not respond. We wrote to Advocacy Prabhumi and Nigel Graymond to ask them about allegations that they are not a genuine organisation. We didn't hear anything back. However, their website now has a statement on it responding to other reporting about them which they say accuse them of being a front for sampling Samling group without providing any proof. They also stated that their limited funds come from individuals who support Sarawak's sustainable forest management agenda. In a statement, Samling told us it had no affiliation to Advocacy Prabhumi, nor, it said, had it engaged the services of Malaquest. In September last year, Samling surprised activists by withdrawing the case. This is a sound of the community singing and celebration outside the courthouse.
0: In the end, safe rivers didn't have to delete. Any of their communications and they didn't have to apologize as Sam Ling requested. They didn't have to pay anything to Samling. So this is a huge victory. As we looked around, there was a sense of celebration in the air, definitely a sense of relief. Celine says maps and
3: satellite tracking played a huge role in bolstering their claims and it gave them the confidence to stand their ground against Malaysia's biggest timber company. In its statement to the BBC, Samling said the company strictly adhered to certification standards for sustainable forest management under the Malaysian Timber Certification Council. They said active engagement with communities forms a fundamental aspect of their operations and was also a moral obligation. It stated litigation with Save Rivers was amicably settled and had no further comment on the case. Samling also denied awareness of anonymous social media accounts posting positively about their role in the community. We also wrote to the government asking them about the allegations of the use of cyber troopers and the control of media in Sarawak. They haven't replied. For some, having Sam Ling withdraw their case against Save Rivers marks a turning of the tide in the battle for land rights, as communities find empowerment in new technology.
0: 30 years ago, it was very difficult to bring information from the rainforest to the world. People had to go there. Now it's, it's a lot easier with technology to understand what happens, and I think this brings a lot more attention to the situation.
3: But Anina says that while tech is proving an indispensable tool, at the end of the day,
0: it depends on the strength of the community on the ground. Without an active community, logging cannot be stopped on the ground, even if we have the best technology.
3: And for Michael, there's a long way to go before Indigenous claims are more widely accepted. But he remains hopeful for the future
1: but are we going to give up? No, we're not going to give up. So we continue to educate our people so that our people can make claim over their Indigenous land.
3: That's it for this edition of the documentary from BBC Trending, reported by me, Jackie Wakefield, and produced by Olivia Lang. It was mixed by Hal Haynes and edited by Flora Carmichael. If you want to get in touch about this episode, then you can do so by emailing me at jackie.wakefield.ext at bbc.co.uk. Remember, we have a BBC Trending podcast. Find us wherever you get yours and you won't miss a single edition. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, check out this podcast from our colleagues at the BBC World Service. In 1969, a plan to show support for an anti-racism protest turned the lives of 14 promising Black student-athletes upside down.
0: I don't think we realize what the true flavor of Wyoming was back in 1969.
3: Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells the story of the Black 14.
2: There was a rebel Confederate flag
0: being flown. It was different. It was definitely different.
3: Search for amazing sports stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
1: In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions, read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.